Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. My name is Vera Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And we are two Latinx friends. With wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week we're really excited to bring you an episode that is a little bit of uh, Latinx music history. This one's mm-hmm. going to be all about the legacy of Fania. Yes, such all-stars, literally. <laughs> <laughs> literally all-stars. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. So um, for those of y'all who might not know, Fania is a legendary record label that was founded in New York City in 1964. And so we're going to spend most of our time today talking about artists um, that came up through that label and sort of the ways that they shaped music, both in the United States and across Latin America. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think salsa is definitely at the Venn diagram of things that you and I love. Um, and it also is just a huge influence on so much of the music that we listen to, even that um, where you might not even realize kind of the ways in which it's it's infiltrated and it's influenced. Totally. Well, that's a really good segue because it's including this song, right? This song is by mm-hmm. the Fania All Stars, right? Which is a collection of the record label's um, biggest stars at the time, right? And the song is called Quítate Tú. song mm-hmm. basically because as a person of like my generation who's mm-hmm. you know way more connected to reggaeton um, in like the way that it was happening and coming up than say like 70s New York salsa right um, in that way I was familiar with uh, Los Doce Discípulos version mm-hmm. of this way before I knew about the Funny All-Stars version mm-hmm. of Quita de Tu right. so if you don't know, Doce Discípulos was a various artists record, um, a reggaeton record released in 2004 with what at the time were like the 12 like heaviest hitters of reggaeton, right? These folks mm-hmm. are legends, people like Diego Calderón, Ivy Queen, mm-hmm. Vico C, um, mm-hmm. y Lennox, right? And they mm-hmm. have a song called Quítate Tú Pa' Ponerme Yo. Yep, and yep. if you'll notice, like, that's the chorus of this song, right? Right. And I think it's just such a testament to how influential Fania is. 
yeah. right? And like these guys, like these like the funny all stars, right? Because mm-hmm. they, you know, like they were New York Puerto Ricans mostly, right? Like there's other folks that were part of the Latino diaspora that sort of found themselves in New York City, but at the time, the Latino diaspora in New York was really Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, it was young people that were influenced by what was going on around them to create something new, right? In yeah. a similar way to how reggaeton came up, right? So mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, to me, when I listen to this song and I also listen to the Doce Discipulos version of Quítate Tú, it's just like this really beautiful parallel, right? In the same ways that young people take music that is um, part of like what is part of their everyday and what they're listening to and mix it with the stuff that they are hearing all around them and like what's coming up in youth culture at the time and create something completely new that starts like this like sort of worldwide Latino music movement right Right. like those things both like they're like those are the stories of both reggaeton and of salsa, right? right? And it, and I think that yeah. this, like, them doing Quítate Tú is such a, is, is, it's just so beautiful to me that, to, to think about, like, those two parallels. Yeah. And, yeah, I love it so much. It's interesting because it wasn't until we started doing this episode that I really, you know, I, I didn't really, like, totally understand that salsa was a creation of the 70s you know because to me salsa is so classic and like I think some of the things that I think I would call salsa are not salsa they're like son or montuno things that like predated salsa and salsa borrowed from and and used Mm -hmm. right so I think in some ways Mm -hmm. I'm like conflating a bunch of things that aren't actually the same um genre but also it's an age thing right that for us things that were from the 70s are classics even though they're not really totally because we are the children of like the 80s and 90s, right? And so that was the music Absolutely. That, we, that we heard that wasn't like contemporary really. It was it was at that point it had been it was a decade or two old and then yeah, to see, you know, the incredible ways in which the artists now are borrowing from and using and taking these rhythms but in a different direction, I think is it's just really cool. So to think about like, oh, my parents were feeling the same way maybe about salsa and Fania that we're feeling about reggaeton, right? It's like, oh, right. these are our peers making something new out of what our parents listen to, you know? It's just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's cool to think about. Yeah, that. yeah, totally. And I mean, I think, I think what's really cool about Fania, and maybe it's because I have a love for New York City that is deep and enduring, but mm. I think it's just like... It's so very specifically New York, right? Like, there's some yeah. things that happen, like, like, Boogaloo, like, that, like, can only happen in a place where, like, all of these very specific diasporas mix up and come up together, right? Like, right. the legacy of Fania is, like, the legacy of New York and the diaspora and young people um, mm-hmm. who shaped what Latino music became then and really, mm-hmm. like, is now, yeah. right? Because... Um, when Fania started up, like Latino music was synonymous synonymous in the United States with like Cuban big band, right? Like yeah, right. And that was what was popularized and exported. And like, you know, before the revolution, Cuba was like this huge uh, tourist destination right. and people would go and see the big bands and they'd want to like... Copac- at the Copacabana, right? Which I saw yeah. in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, people would want to like listen to it like when they mm-hmm. came home. Like I like think of, for example, like Ricky Ricardo from I Love Lucy, right? Which is like, right. 
you know, like this big band, the frilly sleeves, right. like this whole like very specific thing that right. like people are like looking for. And, right. you know, like not not just Latino people, but like a lot of white people in the U.S. Yeah. listen to that, no, you know. I think the audience of that show was white Americans. It was not. Yeah, audience, yeah. Right. I mean, that was like what Lucille Ball kind of offered. I mean, I'm sure there were also Cubans. I know my dad like loves that show or loved that show. Right, so right. So there are Cubans, but I feel like they were really speaking to like a white American audience. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, so, so yes, I think that that's like one really incredible thing. And I feel like just thinking about the ways that 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 all came up is so, so super cool. For sure, and like, for sure. Yeah, and basically, so they took, like, Cuban music, right? Like, this is, like, a bunch of Puerto Ricans, like, who, like, were familiar with Cuban music and because that Dominicans was, like... Po- too. Yeah, some Dominicans, like, there's, like, also, like, yeah, Ruben Blas is Panamanian, like, right. later on, like, later on, Celia came in, she's Cuban, yeah. right? Like, right. but, like, they, like, sort of, like, took what was, like, around them as, like, this is, like, the music that our parents listened to, this is the music we grew up with. Um, and they changed the arrangements a little bit by like incorporating what was around them, right? Like a little rock and roll, like definitely like some R and B, right? Like these folks were mostly living like some in the Bronx, a lot in East Harlem, which is Mm -hmm. in Spanish Harlem, also known as Spanish Harlem, you know, like right next Mm -hmm. to Harlem, right? Like (laughs) regular Harlem, which Mm -hmm. is like, like, uh, has like, Yeah, Black Harlem, like, historically, not that, like, Latinx people weren't black, Black, and a lot of people who were part of this were, but, like, you know, like, that has, like, Harlem has such a huge part in, like, American Black culture, right? Um, Like, it's where, it's where so much of it was happening, and so, Mm -hmm. like, being literally neighbors has so much to do with even with like how all of this came up and then they, and they called it salsa. Right. Right. And so like a a label that started in the sixties with like one Puerto Rican dude and one like Italian dude, Italian American dude who like put up Mm -hmm. all the money basically. Right. Um, like became so huge and like by the seventies they were on top of the world. Right. Like playing Yankee stadium, like playing like, huge numbers um across the world right like right in yeah yeah so it's it's completely wild how like that's that's how that happens and right and it's like things that we still see happening today right like groups Mm -hmm. of kids who are like this is this is the music that we want to make like this is the, the music that speaks to us and ends up speaking to so many more yeah Let's get into the next song and then we can keep talking. There's so yeah, much more yeah. to share about Fania. So this is my pick. Um, this song is by Ruben Blades, the uh, Panamanian guy we were talking about who's one of the founders. And this song is called Pedro Navaja. Por la esquina del viejo barrio lo vi pasar Con el tumbao que tienen los guapos al caminar Las manos siempre en los bolsillos de su gabán Pa' que no sepan en cuál de ellas lleva el puñal Usa un sombrero de ala ancha de medio lado Y zapatillas por si hay problemas salir volado 
lentes oscuros pa' que no sepan que está mirando y un diente de oro que cuando ríe se ve brillando como a tres cuadras de aquella esquina una mujer va recorriendo la acera entera por quinta vez y en un saguán entra y se da un trago para olvidar que el día está flojo y no hay clientes para trabajar un carro pasa muy despacito por la avenida no tiene marcas pero todos saben que es policía Pedro Navaja las manos siempre dentro al gabán mira y sonríe y el diente de oro vuelve a brillar so This song is really classic. I think a lot of people know it. Um, it's also epic. It's like eight minutes long, and it's it's a story. It really tells a story in the song, um, and it's it's based on Mac the Knife, which is a song from the '50s, an American song, but it's remade in you know in, in a salsa style and in Spanish language by Ruben Blades and Willie Colon, who's another one of the funnier guys who's in, who's like collaborates on so many of. Um, the music of that era because he was the instrumental kind of piece of it. And then he had different vocalists that he worked with. And this is from an mm -hmm. album called um, Poeta del Pueblo. And I think, you know, one of the, the threads here and one of the things that made Fania different, which maybe I didn't really see from my vantage point until thinking about it for this episode is like, they're really talking about like pretty violent, like gritty sort of intense stuff in a lot of their songs that came from their experiences in New York City. Yeah. And so this is one of the examples of that, the story of Mac the Knife. He's like a panderer and there's like a lot of violence and it just sort of like plays out in all these different ways. Um, and so I think, I don't know what you think, Vero, but I see that also in reggaeton, right? That that was part of what made reggaeton kind of subversive or, or even seen as, um, and I don't know if Fania had the same response, but you know that there's a lot of a marginalization of reggaeton by the mainstream because it's seen as too vulgar or too dirty or too violent or these different things that um, that I think this music also has some of that in, in it as well that maybe was a departure from some of the music that they were inspired by in Cuba or other places. Yeah, yeah. Ruben Blades really started to bring that like... Um like the social aspects, right, of, of yeah. like, of the songs, right? Like he started talking about society and people and, um, and, you know, I was watching this, um, one hour PBS special on Fania, basically it's on salsa, but it's on Fania because mm -hmm. Fania is so important to that story. And, um, y'all should watch it. It's, uh, there's like several episodes on like Latino music. It's on PBS. You can find it online. Um, and Ruben Blades was talking about how, so he was like a lawyer in mm -hmm. Panama, right? And he came to the United yeah. States and he like wanted to be a part of Fania so bad, like that he was like, you all have any sort of jobs. And he's like, there was like a job in the mail room. And he like took a job in the mail room at Fania and like, then like it paid off and like, found his way. He like needed any kind of man and found his way in. And everybody was like, yo, you're a lawyer. What are you doing? working at the truck label mailroom um, but it really paid off and he was the one that really like started to do all these songs that really touched on the um, like this one like Pedro Naraja which is a, such a classic now yeah, yeah he actually ran for president um, so yeah he's really a real 
have like Latino themes at all, but he was a guest on the show because she like loved his music growing up. And he talked about, um, so I learned a little bit more about him and his activism. And they talk about a movie that, that he was really influenced by called The Oxbow Incident that I'd like never even heard of. It's like a Western. But anyway, it was just like one of those really weird random moments. I was like literally just researching you. And then I turn on a random podcast. It didn't even say his name in the, in the description. And there you are. <laughs> like, what? <That's> super cool. <laughs> um, so he's still doing the thing. Um, and yeah, they talked a lot about activism and how that kind of played in. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think this, th he's not the only one, right, that brings in these themes. Um, I mean, the, the album cover of one of the songs that you're going to bring, I think it's the Cheche Cole song, also has like an intense scene on it where there's like a body like wrapped up in like cloth and then somebody yeah like yeah that was less like about like social justice and more about like you know what was cool in the 70s and like in right. the 60s and 70s like gangster culture and like trying right. to what, like like right. the youth appeal of that and right. like yeah that, that part of it is yeah. what is going on right, right. about right yeah right I mean that's I think that's actually what this and he's an activist but this song I don't actually think is an activist song this song is actually just a story of like you know, a particular person who's like, you know, doing crime in his neighborhood. Like, this is Mac the Knife, right? Like, I don't think this this particular song of his doesn't necessarily um, distribute, like, display his social justice or activist bent. I think it's more in that world of like gangster culture and wanting to represent that in their music, and then, but making it particularly like changing the the context of it to fit their lives and what they were growing up with in New York and like this idea of gangster mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't think this song has like a super strong. Um, activist tone to it but other stuff that he does does have that and it's definitely been a huge part of his like career and he's been really outspoken about Latin America and different social justice mm -hmm. issues and things like Absolutely, that. Absolutely yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this um, if you you have kind of mentioned this in your notes as well Vero but the sort of legal battles that came out of Fania because I yeah, saw some mention I mean, of that. There with, were a lot of legal battles yeah. I think so like Basically, one thing that I saw was that um, the white dude, like the Italian American guy, um, who founded it, like basically like wrote all the contracts and like sort of like wrote them all in his favor, right? Like he like put up the money to start Fania and like basically like you know thought he should benefit the most, or I don't know, but like a lot of his artists weren't getting paid the same way that he was, right? Mm -hmm. Like he would like had such a intense hold on like on all of the um the copyright and um the like just like all of it all the stuff right and like there's people who were really influential to like writing the songs and arrangements and all of that who like basically died poor um mm -hmm. and and so I'm not surprised to hear that there were legal battles and um and you know like as as the label sort of their demise later on. Right. I mean, they're still around. Yeah. They had a rebirth. Like somebody yeah. bought the label in 2005 and it was revived right. in 2006. And like now there's like a whole host of, of like other artists, like some yeah. of which 
um, you know, like are like bigger and some of which are smaller right. Um, right. on, on like the new set of Fani FO label. Yeah. 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 What I saw was something about a legal battle actually between Blades and Colon in like 20, 2004 oh, around contracts and disputes and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like it may have been resolved because they performed together in 2012. There was like a reunion concert oh, that good. happened. So, <laughs> so hopefully they've made up. Because yeah, all these guys are still around. Like there, there's yeah, a few yeah. of them who are. Um, I think Pacheco maybe is in his 80s, but everybody else is like still around, still doing their thing. So yeah, I mean, not everybody. Totally. Obviously, Celia is not around, but some right, of these original guys. Right, and not guys. all of them, like Hector Lavoe, right? But like a lot of right. them are. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like they, yep. they're not that old. They're like old, but like yeah, alive. So what's your next song? My next song is one that I love so much. This song is called Che Che Cole, and it's by Hector Lavoe and Willie Colón. So these two artists, like Hector Lavo and Willy Colón, are probably some of the most well-known artists from Fania at this time. I mean, mm-hmm. Hector Lavo, I think, was like the shining jewel of Fania, like when it started coming up, like one of the bigger artists there. And mm-hmm. um, if uh, you all probably know, there's a movie made about him. Mark Anthony played him, played Hector mm-hmm. Lavo in El Cantante, and J-Lo was his wife in it. And um, it's sort of like you know, an autobiographical movie about yeah. about Hector Lavo, and we've we've brought Hector Lavo before and talked about him. Um, but yeah, and this is uh, with Willy Colón, and um, these guys are just like legends. And I know that we're we're basically saying that about everyone involved with Fania at <laughs> this time because they are all legends. Uh, because they are right. Like they, I, I feel like this was like a legendary moment in music for Latinx people, and Fania like had such a huge cultural impact. And everybody that was part of this like really did a huge, uh, like had a huge part in shaping what Latinx music is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song, this song just has a special place in my heart. Like, how can you not dance to this, right? Like, yeah. when it's I feel that starting, about most of these songs. Yeah, yeah, like, when it's just starting, like, I hear the piano riff, and I'm, like, just, like, yes. And then the horns hit, and I'm just, like, ah, like, mm. there's no, there's no choice. You've got to move your hips. You've got to dance. And um, another thing that, and what I love about this song, really, is that it's basically a song, af- like, 
honoring the African roots of Latin American dances, mm. right? Like it's talking about like vamos todos a bailar el estilo africano and it names like bomba, it names baquine and it says, mm. you know, like, lo bailan en Venezuela, lo bailan en Panama, este ritmo es africano y donde sea va a acabar. So it's like mm. really um, not afraid to show homage to the fact that like right. so many of like our cultural traditions in Latin America are the legacy of people who were brought here and kidnapped from Africa mm-hmm. and enslaved yeah. and yeah. whose like musical legacy lives on in all of our right. music through our drums and yeah. through our dances and all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. So And a lot of the I mean a lot of the Fania guys are Afro Yep. Latino. Yeah. yeah. Like I'd say a good percentage of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um and it's funny because, like, usually when I bring songs, I, like, try to think about, like, when did I come across this? Like, when did I listen to this? And it's, like, a lot of these songs, I'm just, like, I'm not really sure when, you know? Like, in some fi- in some ways, it feels like they've always been there for me, but, like, mm-hmm. um, just, like, in the air, right? Like, my parents, I've talked about this before, weren't, like, big, like, music listeners, really. Um, so it's just, like, what I picked up around or, like... You know, like, definitely at the very least, like, when I was, like, 18 and 19 and going to salsa clubs, you know, very regularly, um, these were starting to, like, at the very least then, they were definitely coming into uh, my radar and, you know, probably before because these are just, like, again, like, these folks were huge um, globally, right? And um, they were, like like I said, like in New York City, they sold out Yankee Stadium. Like they uh, played for like 80,000 people in what was then known as Zaire. Now it's the mm-hmm. Democratic Republic of Congo. But mm-hmm. like they were like all across Latin America. Um, so their music is really huge in, it like was really huge globally. And also, like, they didn't really make a dent in the United States, right? So while they were right. selling out stadiums in uh, in Asia and Africa and, and uh, Europe and Latin America, like, the U.S. would, like, not really pay attention, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. like, tried to have, like, this movie or documentary and it, like, didn't really make a stir in the United States. And it just sort of reminds me of the ways that Latino music in the U.S. is still consumed, Right, like right. where it's just right. like there are these artists that are like a global phenomenons, and if you ask like your average listener in the United States, like they won't know who they are, right? Like people like even like people like Jay Balvin, right, who's like has huge hits across the globe and like is doing all these world tours, and like most people in the United States like are just like unwilling to listen to any right. music that's not in English. But, I mean, the reggaetoneros now are selling out everywhere. Like, I'm going to get to see this fall. I'm going to see Balvin and Osuna in Greensboro, North Carolina. Like, so, yeah. and, like, I'm I'm sure it will probably be close to sold out. So I think that's shifting a little bit. I think what I happened. I mean, yes, and because of, those are probably going to be mostly Latinos there. Yeah. I, right. I think the difference is immigration. Yeah. I mean, I think the right. difference is, I mean, Fania was happening in the 70s, right? And there were particular, there had been particular waves of immigration leading up to the 70s. But the 80s and 90s was a huge wave of immigration from Central, like, Mexico and Central America. And I right. think that that's who's in Greensboro, you know, that's, and those Mm -hmm. folks were not there when Fania was doing their thing. So I'm sure Fania was doing well in like Miami and New York and maybe in LA or something, but not, 
yeah, not in Greensboro, North Carolina, you know? So I think that's, um, you're right. It's still like within the like Latino community mostly. Um, I don't right, think it's right. necessarily like crossed over, which like, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm, yeah, okay whatever. <laughs> I like, I'm like, it's fine. I feel fine. like I'm, t- I like, I don't, I'm tired of waiting yeah. for that. You know, like I don't give I don't, a shit. Yeah. Like this thing and can worry, be for us, right? Like, yeah, right. And I worry that it would change things in a way that like I wouldn't be happy with, you know, like when, Ugh, yeah, like when shocky. Prince Royce, you know, when Prince Royce was, yeah, shocky, or Prince Royce was opening for Ariana Grande, you know, and doing, like, these, like, not what I didn't think were very good, like, English crossovers. So, you know, yeah. like, I don't, I'm good. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's um, fine. Yeah, but that point you're making about, like, where are you listening to music, I think is a imp- important one. And, like, for me, you know, in some ways I'm kind of grateful that I grew up. Like, we had disc commands and stuff, but it wasn't as, there wasn't as much technology that, like, kind of allowed me to create my own world um, musically. And so I was, like, listening to the stuff my dad was playing on the car stereo, yeah. you know? And I'm kind mm-hmm. of grateful for that, I think, because I I wasn't into it then, you know? And I don't know that it would have been yeah. able to influence me or reach me if I had been just, like, I've got my headphones on, I'm listening to whatever, you know, my friends are listening to. So, right, um, right. so yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, it's really my parents were just so immersed in music as part of their own experience mm-hmm. in the diaspora. And so... This is definitely, I don't remember like when, but I'm like, I know these songs, you know, like these songs. Yeah, are so yeah, exactly. So. All right, what's next? Yeah, so we've got, um, I've got a song by Celia Cruz and Willie Colon called Apaga la Luz. Apaga la Luz, que quiero rezar. Apaga la luz, que quiero rezar, para ver si tú puedes trabajar y puedes traer a la mesa el pan al anochecer. A esos que la vida nunca son reído, que luchan y luchan y luchan sin nada lograr, bienaventurados serán porque han conseguido la fe y la fortuna. So one of the things I was disappointed but not surprised by in, in just like looking at the list of folks who've been involved in Fania in the past um, is I think she's the only mujer. Like, I literally didn't see one other name of someone that I think is a woman. So it was, like, 100%, like, all men involved in Fania, which I, like, know shouldn't be surprising, but it's still really disappointing to me that it was that. I mean, we're literally talking about, like, 20 to 30 people across time who are involved in this particular world of music, and literally she's, like, the only woman. Like, that's just wild. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, Celia was brought on... Celia was brought on really later on. Yeah, like really, like just like later on, really when she was famous, she was huge already, yeah. right? Like yeah. it wasn't like yeah. she came up with the guys. Like she no. was like she all. was like a huge asset at the point yeah. that she came on. Yeah, 
yeah, clearly women like weren't given opportunity because like, come on, there are obviously women singing and playing music and they just, I mean, clearly weren't given an opportunity in this particular world. So yeah, this song is from 1981. I mean, we've had her on the show so many times. She's such a legend. Um, I don't know that there's much more to say about her, but I picked this one um, because it wasn't one that I like was super familiar with, but really enjoyed the sound. And again, like Veto said about other songs, like just makes me want to dance. There's just there's something about like the fast salsa rhythms paired with her really incredible voice that mm-hmm. I'm always gonna want to listen to. So that was what wanted to make sure we brought Celia as like the token woman, which is such a mess. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, this particular song is from the the Fania era when she was involved with them. Yeah, and I mean obviously like we've brought Celia before to the podcast. She's incredible, and she like really like. She really upgraded them, I have to say. Like, mm. she's just, like, such... I mean, she's Celia. There's nothing else yeah. to say. Yeah. And maybe we can look at reggaeton and say, well, maybe there's been some progress because while there aren't that many women, there's more than one, you know, involved yeah, in the I reggaeton mean, scene today. Right. So. Well, this is, like, one label, right? Like, so it's, I know. like... But they but, were such but a still, yeah, it's one. like Yeah. It's, it sucks. It sucks like, that they're like, it's like such a small Right, number. and if they had been more welcoming to women, like who would we, who who do, are we missing out on, you know? Like, right, like the yeah. people like. Who did we miss out on? The people, people like Ruben, Ru, oh, sorry, the people like Ruben, right, who started the mailroom. Like, you know, it's not like, would he have right. gotten to this point on his own? I don't know. It sounds like they really gave him an opportunity, and obviously he's really talented, but. So, yeah, and who like what know, women did they not sucks. give opportunities to, right? Like yep. it's not like they yep. gave Celia a shot. Like Celia like no. did them a favor, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was helping them out by being part of their world. Yeah, and I mean she really started her career in Cuba and was able to transition into the United States. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Should we do our next song? Yeah, let's do it. So our next song is by Cheo Feliciano and it's called El Ratón. Mi gato se está quejando Que no puede vacilar Si donde quiera que se mete Su gata lo va a buscar De noche brinca la verja A ver si puede fugarse Sin que ella lo pueda ver Y no tan pronto, no tan pronto está de fiesta Silvestre Felino tiene que echar a correr Esto si es serio mi amigo Uh, so Cheo is a really, really important salsa vocalist. Again, part of like the like the Fania uh, crew. Um, 
And yeah, he's just like a really, really powerful voice in salsa. He's Afro-Puerto Rican, born in Puerto Rico, and then like so many people settled in Spanish Harlem, right? Or East Harlem. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, he's one of like the all-stars, right? Like one of the people that came to define what salsa became, what salsa is today. Um, and this song, I think, is just a classic. And it's just about a like a gato that's trying to run around but his gato's got like a tight strings on him you know like mm. <laughs> he's, he's like, like trying to run around on like, his yeah on his girl life. but he's like yeah. it's solo un raton but the gato's like nabu i got my eye on you you're so no. trifling mm. <laughs> right 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 I mean, I you could definitely see that theme in lots of reggaeton today, right? Like the, well, you can the see that theme in con- lots of music in general. I know, but I'm saying the themes have continued, right? The themes stay, stay classic. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think I, I just like I keep thinking about how influential like this scene and New York um, really was in the shaping of of like of these rhythms, right? Of like what you hear like in this song. And like, even like thinking about like Boogaloo, which is not what Fania was doing, but like what sort of came before Fania. And then they're like, okay, like there's a way to do like a sound that's like, you know, both New York and also that talks about like what are, that's about what we, what we've been listening to as kids, like what Latinos have been listening to, like where Boogaloo is like a mix of R&B and Latin rhythms and like, Cardi's I Like It samples, like this iconic Boogaloo by Pete Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I just keep thinking of, like, New York and how, like, young diasporic people in New York, like Cheo, were inspired by what was around them and, um, and what, and, like, what were, like, and also, like, their history and, like, their, like, diasporic culture to create something totally new. And now it's, like, this kind of stuff is you know, we could, we like, I can't imagine Latino music without it. Mm-mm. No way. No way. I know it's wild to think that it could have not happened if it hadn't been for these places that, that created this mix of folks. And, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing know. is that like people sometimes like history seems inevitable, but like when you yeah. like look at it, it's just like a lot of coincidences, a lot of choices that people make right. a lot of like, you know, like, um, really small things that add up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some might say it's like fate, <laughs> but yes, it's true. Yes. If you are it's a believer true. in fate, if you're a believer in, in fate or some sense of path. Yeah. 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 But no, it's wild. It's also so like, what would my life be without it? You know, it's like, I can't actually imagine that it's such a central part <laughs> of of who I am and of how I grew up and of what like feels like part of my identity even, you know, even though it's like my people were not, I actually had a little bit of family that went to New York le- mm. after leaving Cuba, but most of my family was in Miami. You in know? Miami. Just, yeah. Like most, yeah. So it's most not like Cubans, I have, yeah. yeah, I don't have a lot of roots in that arena, but that music definitely traveled and, and was such a big part of my parents' lives as young adults. And then mine as a kid as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my family wasn't here back then, but right. um but like this stuff like I said it was like legendary and traveled the globe like including South America where they mm-hmm. were, right? So Right. Right. Yeah. Do you know if the if the dancing part of it was also kind of new to the Fania era? 
I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know if the dance was like the way we dance salsa, if that comes from sort of the, the older stuff from Cuba or if that has also changed with the, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's changed and evolved, but yeah. 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 Yes. All right. What is your last song? So my last song is called Sonero and it's by Johnny Pacheco and Pete El Conde Rodriguez. that I was you know, listening to different songs from this era by these folks and it was like this is just sounds so classic to me um, and I immediately loved it within like the first few seconds of listening to it um, we've talked about Johnny Pacheco a little bit he's the one of the creators of Fania um, along with uh, Jerry Masucci the Italian guy that we've been referencing and Johnny Pacheco's Dominican and just like a total legend a total legend Mm-hmm. Um, and he collaborated a lot with Pete Rodriguez, who's a Puerto Rican um, singer, also Afro-Puerto Rican. Um, and they released like tons of albums together, the two of them, as a collaboration. And this song is from 1971. Yeah. So, I yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Like when Johnny Pacheco got started, he was like a band leader, like of Cuban music, right? Which like mm-hmm. we talked about was like the music that was, um, that was the Latino music that was available in the United popular States. Popular at the time. Yeah. yeah, popular at the time. And he is credited with coining the term salsa. Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. I would love to know the story of that. Like what, yeah, where that word came from. Yeah, yeah. It's like not even a word that I think about someone inventing, you know, because it just seems so instrumental, you know. But yeah, I guess all of these things evolve at some point. And yeah, son, you know, I don't know if that's the, what the sonero is referencing, but son is one of the sort of Cuban um, genres that predates salsa and that, that they were influenced by in creating this music. Is there anything else we want to say about Fania? Yeah, I mean, okay. I would just recommend that y'all like do some reading. There's a podcast that has, it's called Laura Faniatica, which is like, oh, wow. um, which is like all about Fania. And like I said, there's this PBS documentary that's like, one of the capitulos is all about Fania. So this stuff is super classic, super important to the way that music, Latino music in the United States, like developed and came up and affected, like, and how people in the Latino diaspora shape what Latino music is even in Latin America, right? So it's a super important stuff. I'm really glad that we we're finally able to um, dedicate an episode to this. So. Please learn more. This is just like such a tiny tip of Mm -hmm. a huge, huge iceberg. Yeah, exactly. We're just sharing what what we know from what we've learned and what we've researched, but there's so much more depth and hopefully you've enjoyed our sort of 
somewhat deep but still very superficial dive into some of the mm-hmm. folks that, that made up Fania and some of the amazing music coming out of this this particular moment. Yeah, we'll put whatever. a link in the show notes to some of the things that we referenced, like the PBS documentary and the podcast and things if you want to check out more about Fania. All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for listening. And we've been talking about this for the last couple of episodes. So I want you to know that we finally know that we're going to launch our merch store next week. And we're so, so excited about it. We've been like shooting the photos and like designing the things and working with distributors and like all these different things. And it's been so much work, but we're so excited to finally bring it to you next week. Yes, so please check out, you'll find it on, there's going to be a Tienda, there's a Tienda tab on our website, Um, you can find it on Instagram, if you're like super thirsty and really want to be one of the first to hear about it, um, you can join our newsletter, which I'll put a link in the show notes to, and we even might have a little special discount code for our newsletter subscribers, so that's a good reason to join if you haven't already, Um, and yeah, I've just been, I've been rocking my pin from the store like for a week or two and I've already like sold three of them to friends because they were so excited about it. So Cute. y'all are going to love it. I think I, can I feel hope it. so. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, stay tuned for that and, um, check us out every Friday. We'll be taking a, a brief kind of hiatus in August and part of September, but we'll probably be putting up some old content, um, for y'all who are not cut up to check out while we are on a little bit of vacay. Yes, we are going to take a little break soon. Much needed. Yep. As always, thanks for listening. And you can uh, follow us on social media at Radio Manea. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out all of the information about these songs and videos and anything else we mentioned in our show notes on RadioManea.com. Thank you. Ciao. Bye.